for Loyola to be on the map in that way is just unbelievable. And I, I couldn't be more proud to be a Rambler at this point. Welcome to Bathtub Blurs. I'm Hannah. I'm also Hannah. And welcome to this week's episode. Yeah. Um, okay, I mean, we have a lot to go over this episode. Um, but the very... majority of this episode is mm-hmm. going to be um, taken up by our two special guests. Mm-hmm. Hannah Meenan, do you want to introduce our two special guests? Yes, we have Christian Thomas and Cal Kennedy, two former Loyola Ramblers, joining us on the podcast today. Um, Cal is a is dating our friend Megan. Yes. Um, so we have we asked Cal if he wanted to be on our pod, and he said yes. And at Cal's birthday party, we ran into Christian Thomas, and Christian said that he would like to be on the pod as well. So bonus, bonus special. Bonus blur. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Christian played from 2011 to 2015, mm-hmm. played in the Horizon League, moving into the Valley. Mm-hmm. And then Cal started when we did in 2015. 13, yes. Through 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, played only in the Valley. So we're really excited to meet with them and hear, you know, about their journey. And then also just their perspective of like looking at what Rambler basketball is like now, considering that they've been in it. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting all around. Um, really excited for this conversation and we hope you guys enjoy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's jump in. Yay. Right. Well, how's it going, everyone? Um, right now we have Cal Kennedy and Christian Thomas here on the podcast with us today. How are y'all? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Right, yeah, you're our first, first guest. guest. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank We're you. We're excited. Episode yeah, three, well, yes. <laughs> um, to kick things off, how about, can you tell us about about what led you to Loyola? Like, what, where else were you looking? What kind of drew you to this program? Um, tell us how you landed there. Yeah, CT, you want to start? Yeah, I can go first. Yeah, so towards the end of um, my senior year in high school, um, I had a couple of, like, division one offers. So UMKC, Arkansas Little Rock. And I visited there um, earlier on in my senior year and just didn't really feel right about either school so um, I was talking to St. Louis University towards the end of my senior year about a walk-on position I was talking to coach Moser about the opportunity and then I think in April maybe yeah so it would have had to been April maybe six weeks before graduation uh, coach Moser gets a job at Loyola Chicago and um, luckily we stayed in touch and he was able to offer a scholarship and so I wanted to follow him to Loyola to fulfill a lifelong dream at that point. And then just the relationship I had built with him over the last like year, year and a half when he was recruiting me at St. Louis. And then the people that I got to meet on my visit, I just knew that uh, this Loyola was going to be the place for me. And then just being in Chicago too was a a great perk. Awesome. 
Yeah, it still crazed me that you were going to be a walk-on at SLU considering the amazing career that you had at Loyola. Just oh, absolutely thanks, incredible, man. man. Props to you. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Uh, I took – Yeah, for sure, brother. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I had – I, I was more thinking, or at least um, the route that it looked like I was going to end up going was the D3 route. Um, so I was like maybe the third or fourth leading scorer on my high school team, but I was – you know, more of a rebounder and, and, you know, just, just more like um, outlet pass guy, you know, kind of a role player on my team a little bit. Uh, but I definitely wanted to play in college and visited some D3 schools like Augustana. I remember uh, DePaul in Greencastle, Indiana, uh, Wash, Washington University in St. Louis was one of the first schools that reached out to me. I remember that. Um, so I had a lot of D3 interest and I had my mom and I actually had a full uh, chart of all the different schools that were recruiting me and like the different populations of the schools, what I would major in, different things like that, you know, which is pretty fun. Um, but then, uh, so my backstory, my dad actually went to, well, both my parents went to Creighton University. Uh, my, my dad graduated in 92, and I believe Porter graduated from Creighton in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they were actually yeah. in college at the same time together. Uh, my dad was a baseball player there. Uh, they actually went to the College World Series in 1991, which is pretty awesome still the only Creighton baseball team to ever do that. Uh, and uh, Porter was a basketball player, of course. So they definitely knew each other from then. Uh, and Porter actually came and saw me play at a high school open gym uh, and actually came to our house after the open gym and was talking to me about Loyola and how it would be all he could offer me like a preferred walk-on spot. Uh, and later at a Loyola game, I think it was uh, Jordan Hicks's senior night. Uh, I was there. Yeah. And uh, after the game, I was able to, uh, sort of grab uh, Coach Mosier and say, hey, I, I want to come here and, and be a walk-on. And he said, that's awesome. He had a big hug. There's like a picture of us. They think somebody made a meme that said like, I just became a rambler and it's me and Coach uh, Mosier. Um, so that was, <laughs> yeah. So that was how, uh, that was how I ended up at, uh, at Loyola. That's awesome. Yeah. You'll have to find that and send it to us if you can. I will. <laughs> <That's really great. laughs> I, will. I think it's on Facebook buried somewhere, but we'll see it. We'll, I'll, I'll see what I can awesome. do. Yeah. What is a visit like? Like, what all happens during a visit? Um, so on mine, um, let's see. So my parents and I, we uh, came in from St. Louis, and then uh, we were picked up at the airport by the coaches. Uh, they just took us downtown to a nice restaurant. So just really uh, kind of really try to wine and dine you, take you to you know somewhere fancy to make you feel really special. Um, after that, they just dropped us off at the hotel. My parents and I just hung out for a little bit. And then the next day we were actually spent on campus. So got a, a tour of the campus, met some academic advisors, and then you get a chance to spend some time with the team, uh, play some open gym, uh, shoot around, just kind of get a chance to talk and hang out with them. And then later at night, um, you go to dinner with maybe one or two guys from the team and your family. You'll talk to the coaches a little bit more uh, just about uh, the school, the day you had, what you thought. And then at night, you're kind of free to hang out with, um, yeah, just with some of the players. So don't need to get into all the, the stories and things like that. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's usually how they go. Yeah, I think CT nailed it there. Uh, I never had, like, I never had an official visit at Loyola, I, I don't think. Um, I'd visited other schools and it was very much a similar experience, just sort of got to play ball with the team and have dinner and, and talk to the coach and go into his office and everything. 
uh, pretty cool experience for sure. Yeah, I did. So fun, fun backstory. I was actually the whole summer before going to college, I was a, uh, I was the summer janitor at my high school. So I would work janitor during the day. And then I would take the, uh, the train, the L all the way up from the South side to Loyola. Uh, CT was my contact. He would always text me what time open gym was and everything. And we would, uh, I would go up and play with him and the oh, guys so uh, during the summer. Yeah, it was great. It was a good way to sort of ease into the transition of playing uh, college basketball. So it was pretty cool. Um, okay. Well, can you tell us some ways in which you're connected to the program now? Um, how do you stay in touch? What, what do you do to stay involved? We know CT is heavily involved. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so definitely going to, um, yeah. Well, so before, well, this is my first season doing uh, radio broadcasting with the team. So I do color commentary um, for them. So getting a chance to see the games um, live and then also just provide some insight as to what's going on. Uh, this is my first season doing that. But prior to that, I was I moved back to Chicago about four, almost four and a half years ago. So the year after they had just gone to the final four was um like I started going to most of the home games, pretty much all the weekend home games, the week home games here and there when I could. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just like going uh, to the, just going to the games and still being connected to the program. That way I still keep in touch with some of my old teammates. And um, yeah, so that's been a lot of fun too, just to see how everyone is kind of grown and matured over the years. Totally. How'd you yeah. get involved with the radio? Can you tell us? We're super curious. Oh, the radio. Oh yeah. No problem. So uh, there was a guy at Loyola, uh, his name is Bill Barron. Yeah, so he reached out last summer just kind of explaining the opportunity and would it be something that I'd be interested in. And so since um, I we have to travel with the team also, it was just something I needed to clear uh, with my my regular job. But once mm -hmm. I got the okay from them, I knew it was, uh, I knew it was a no-brainer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, similar to CT, mostly as a fan for me, uh, staying involved with the program, going to games when I can. Uh, we also, we have a former teammate of ours, London, who's, uh, I believe, the Dobo, the director of basketball operations at uh, for the team right now, and he's on the bench and everything, which is awesome. Love to see uh, where where London started and where he's at now. Like he's he's got nothing but the sky's the limit for him, basically as a coach. I think so. He, he's one of the smartest guys. I think we can both say that he's one of the smartest basketball guys we ever played with. Yeah. Um, and also just kind of a funny side story. I, I'm also in a shuffleboard league with, uh, one of our former managers, uh, Pat McHale. Really? Uh, yeah. Pat McHale's in a shuffleboard, oh my God, I shuffleboard Pat team. Was a manager. Yeah. Pat oh, McHale. Yeah. 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 Awesome. We, yeah. We know his, um, his wife. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. He just oh, got married yeah. this year. Yeah. Nice. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Shout Julia, out Pat. She was in Ohio with us. Yeah. Shout out Pat. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, Bobby Peterson is also on his shuffleboard team. And Bobby is, uh, one of the old, old school, just hardcore Rambler fans from back in the days when we were winning like nine games a year. Yeah. Uh, so gotta love, got, shout out Bobby as well. Uh, but both those guys I keep in touch with through the shuffleboard league. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we gotta get you a regular season ticket holder next year. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta get on. That. I know. I know for one. sure. I know I'm behind. <laughs> well, we were kind of curious because you have been in the situation that the boys are in right now of joining a new conference. We we're wondering, of in light of the conference change, is there any wisdom that you had from going from the Horizon League to the Valley that you hope the boys would carry on going from the Valley to the A10? Yeah, I think. 
some of that is just uh, having that confidence and just knowing that you belong. So I think, um, you know, the guys are going to hear all the the news stories, read all the articles about how the Atlanta 10 is just this great conference. It's going to be a step up from the Missouri Valley, but they need to understand that Drew and his staff wouldn't have recruited them too loyal if they didn't think that they could compete and win at that level right away. So I think, I just think having that confidence going in is going to be, uh, is going to be key. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, CT knows more firsthand because he played in, I'm trying to remember, saying, you played when the Loyal was in the Horizon League. Yeah. And he actually part of that switch. So it was my freshman year, was our first year in the Valley. Um, so it was definitely an exciting time uh, to be a part of the program. Uh, and as the Valley at the time was like definitely a step up from the Horizon League, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, when we went to the Valley, it was like, uh, Wichita State was like the, you know, the big bad wolf or whatever in, in the conference. And by the time that now that we've transitioned, look where we got, like we started winning the conference year after year, you know, just because we, you, you got to trust the process. Uh, I sound like a 76ers fan or something, but yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> you do need to, you do need, you do need to trust the process and trust that if you, if you stick, if you stick with it, um, you put your faith in your coaches and, and what they, and the program itself and, and what, and their guidance, uh, you'll get to where you need to get to, uh, as long as you stick with it, you know? And I think that's, that's what these guys are learning right now and what they're going through. And I think they're going to, you know, five years from now, we're going to look back and, and, and think, man, we started here and now we're here, you know, we're climbing the ladder, uh, which will be a, a fun thing to, to watch and witness. That's definitely exciting. Yeah, no, I, it's definitely from, you know, how the, social the fans have been behaving as we know in an interesting way um but i think they you know will pull together at yeah. some point and it's it's a rebuild it's going to be fine there i mean how they've performed i mean we're leaps and bounds where we were at the beginning of the season mm -hmm. if you ask me but yeah, yeah no question no question yeah. that's that clumsy um just... yeah mm. i know we're going to talk about that later but we mm. will we will yeah yeah what are you gonna say ct sorry <laughs> Oh, no, sorry. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I was just agreeing. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, what else we have? We just have one last question before we get, before into, we get into, into the, the games. games. Um, right. But we were curious <laughs> of, you know, what's it like seeing the program take off in the way it has in the last couple of years? I know, Cal, you referenced it, what it was like to have go from nine win seasons, even like Genteel's atmosphere has changed so much. Like, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on those changes? Oh, man, I could not imagine a packed house it was hard to imagine a packed house my freshman year um I think we didn't win nine I think we won 10 games so minor improvement from where I I, st <laughs> I started us but um yeah we, we didn't win a true road game I think the entire year I think I think the one time I think the one game we won was on like a neutral site um so it was it was tough times for for the Ramblers honestly you know as far from a winning perspective we had a tough season with a lot of uh adversity throughout the course of the year and uh, it, it was definitely like a lot of growing pains uh, and a lot we went through that year. Um, and then the next year, we just, we took off. Uh, we, we got some new guys in the program, uh, like Montel and Earl uh, and others. And, and, and we just, we ended up winning the CBI that year. And that was like, it felt like something special. I actually have the, um, the signed basketball that we all did. We all signed a bunch of basketballs. And I have one in my apartment from everyone who was a part of that team that won the CBI that year in 2015. Um, but yeah, just seeing the program grow from there. And then obviously the final four run was just incredible. I was still living in Rogers park, 
Uh, so I was actually going to Ireland for the games <laughs> with all the fans and everything, wearing my actual game-worn jersey, uh, which yeah. is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, and just seeing just the how excited people were and how many yeah. how, like I, I couldn't have imagined that many people at Loyola, like all the students like really getting into basketball it mm-hmm. was so cool um and obviously sister Jean becoming the international sensation that she did was was something else in, in, in itself um but even now like when I tell people I played basketball Loyola first thing they ask me is uh oh were you on the final four team did you make it like I was like no I didn't but I played with all the seniors on the team and you know it, it's a good it's like a perfect conversation starter but for Loyola to be on the map in that way is just unbelievable. And I, I couldn't be more proud to be a Rambler at this point. Yeah, I have a lot of, uh, yeah, similar thoughts to Cal. So um, I think one of the biggest, um, yeah, I guess one of the biggest fan draw or fan attendance games we had was when like Wichita State came to town just because they were nationally ranked team. And so people were coming. That was, like, sorry, to that was no, exactly. That was mostly Wichita State fans. Yeah. So, <laughs> and so just to uh, yeah, think about, you know, where we, where we came to, uh, you know, see the program now. So, or I guess to talk about the final four team. So seeing, uh, you know, pictures of all the games being sold out, um, sister Jean, of course, get, getting the national or international attention that she deserves, but then seeing games being recapped on ESPN, like guys like Jay Billis, knowing who people like, like Ben Richardson and Dante Ingram are, for example, those are two guys that uh, I played with my senior year that were freshmen on that team. And then also Clay Custer, who was uh, a conference player of the year that year. Um, right. so just seeing them getting talked about on the national stage and just thinking about how, how much like Ben and Dante have had matured as players but then also as people and that's uh in that short amount of time i think that was you know really special to see as well absolutely shout out those guys man yeah shout out all those guys yeah yeah um yeah i feel like it's finally mentioned dante um just because when that final four run is happening i was in grad school and i was living at home and my brother was like 12 at the time (laughs) So Bo, you know, we finally make it to the tournament. Bo's like, you're just my older sister. Like, there's nothing special about you. I'm like, no, those were all my classmates. Like, I know those it's guys. It's not a big place. Yeah. No, right. yeah. So Dante right. had that buzzer beater shot and him mm. and all his friends were so obsessed with it. They, we had a basketball hoop in the pool. They used to pretend that they were Dante. They were like <laughs> doing the Dante and they would yeah. get the ball and they would <laughs> dunk it in the pool, which is like six inches, <laughs> right? But <laughs> For like two weeks, these twelve-year-olds are all coming over. They're like, "We're the Dante." Funny uh, backstory with that shot too. Uh, so that they they played during the day that day. They be they beat Miami. That Dante hit the shot, yeah. and I was actually I timed it so uh, I was sneakily watching it at work and on my phone for the first half. And second half, it, it was clear it was going to be a nail biter. So I'm like, I need to find a TV. I need to go to the gym. They had little TVs on the treadmill. Luckily, so I'm just walking on the treadmill watching the game and it's down to hits that shot it's like me and maybe you know seven or eight people it was a small work gym and i scream and i jump off the treadmill <laughs> I go, yes, yes yes oh my god yes everyone just looked at me like i i, I was crazy like i just lost my mind <laughs> they're like what are you doing uh crazy person but it was it was just a unreal moment uh, and that was obviously just the start yeah oh, that's awesome Right. So funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about last week's game. Yeah. What y'all think about Green Bay, Clemson? Where do you want to start? Start with uh, let's start with Clemson. That was, I think, the best yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. 
best game of the year so far. Oh yeah, on both ends. So mm-hmm. yeah, because Clemson they came into the game uh, eight and two, two losses by a combined five points, and so uh, yeah, I mean I guess you could say heavily favored in that contest. They had two guy or a couple guys in their team that are probably ACC cal or all ACC caliber guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, I think that you know Clemson scored uh, got a couple of baskets early. But I think they're one of their key guys, uh, Hunter Tyson. Who's their came in leading scorer? I think he had four quick ones, including a dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys didn't like waver at all. They seemed to just answer every single punch that Clemson threw at them. Yeah. And then slowly they started turning up the intensity on defense, mm-hmm. started getting more stops, and then their offense didn't really trail off. So they were able to build some separation in the first half. And then uh in the second half, it was just, I mean, more of the same thing. It seems like there was just no let up or anything. And so it was very encouraging to see i feel like you know as fans we were waiting on that type of game all year yeah yeah and so just to see it coming in uh you know finally happening this early in the season i think you can't help but be optimistic for uh Mm -hmm. these last couple games before we head into a 10 play Mm -hmm. in my opinion i think that was the best game i've seen Braden play this year Uh, as well as yeah i mean he he you could feel his confidence through the television screen uh because i watched on tv and like you could you could you could feel his presence sort of taking over the game and taking over and just inspiring his teammates i felt like you know uh and let's talk about the end of that first half i think there was like 10 seconds left and clemson had the ball they're pretty sure they turned it over i think austin got a layup or something and then they threw that crazy pass yeah. out of bounds yeah. where the dude was out of bounds already so the ball went back underneath our basket and then Braden hit a corner three so within yeah. the last 10 seconds Clemson had the ball we end up scoring five points yeah. and Braden's like sayonara we got this yeah. you know <laughs> like I'm back like, yes oh the look he gave was awesome oh my goodness him and 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 Phil Phil Austin man Phil had oh talk about yeah talk about Phil for a little bit that fall, recovering from the fall, like, and he he fell. That that fall would have put me in a home. Like that, yeah. that fall <laughs> would have harmed me. I would have had to take time off of work. And he's like, "I'm up. I'm ready. Let's do it again." Like, oh, he was back at it, and he hit hit like yeah. two more threes after that. Yeah, it was Unreal. crazy. Yeah, was my crazy. favorite was when Clemson went to score a three, and then Clemson made a three, and Phil's like, hold my beer, and immediately Phil made a three. (laughs) That was awesome. Yes. Yeah, this is the first one that I felt like every time, like you said, CT, every time Clemson would, you know, hit a three or score a basket or dunk or whatever, we answered. I felt like that we were the first time we were really very consistent, Mm -hmm. and they didn't get frazzled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been playing a lot of stressed basketball, and I think that they have calmed down. And I think Brayden, like you said, was kind of the calming force with that one. Yeah. And it was, it was like the opposite of the DePaul game, you know, Yeah, where, where it was like, Oh, we have this lead and now they're going to press us. And we're, we're just going to be happy getting over half court and not actually like run, run a player, you know, get into what we want to do. Uh, whereas Clemson, we never let that happen. I was kind of surprised. It didn't seem like Clemson was going to press, or I don't think they did press that much, Yeah. which I was frankly surprised about. I'm like, have you seen the tape? Like, you no, know what that's I mean? our Achilles heel. Like- exactly. Exactly. I was kind of surprised that they didn't try to put more pressure on his full court. Um, but either way, you know, we'll take it and we'll take the confidence that comes from beating 100%. them. And I think we're going to roll with it. You know, we have uh, Albany and Stanford, I think the next couple of games mm-hmm. yeah. uh, before getting into conference yes, play. 
Um, and I think we're just going to go on a tear to end, to end leading into conference play. You know, we got a chance to go on a nice little win streak uh, leading up mm-hmm. to uh, the 31st. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Your lips to God's ears. Like, <laughs> <you're so crazy. laughs> Something that I felt like happened in the last game that we kind of got a preview of at Green Bay was understanding Jaden's role on the team of like mm-hmm. being first off the bench because we saw the Green Bay game was when Jaden got on the court, he got a lot of coaching from within the court. Um, he got a lot of like a lot of, he got an earful from pretty much every guy when you could see, like a lot of guys mm-hmm. set him aside, talked to him on the court and yeah. he really earned his spot as being first off the bench. I felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think Drew yeah, maybe think... figured out a rotation. Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, the one, I think the one bright spot out of the South Carolina tournament was Jaden Dawson. So he's a guy that can come in, uh, can make shots. And then as something I've started to notice, he's a lot more uh, comfortable, especially on defense. So you can see his positioning is a little bit better. He's a little bit quicker reacting. And so I think he has all the tools to be a very special player. And I am glad to see him starting to get some minutes because it seems that, uh, you know, every time he's out there, he's able to, uh, you know, make shots and he's also, uh, but also like very timely shots as well. So might be a situation where maybe we're on the wrong end of a, you know, quick 6-0 run. He's able to step in and hit a three. I remember he got a big and one in the Clemson game um, and transition. So he's he's just making plays. And I'm really excited yeah. to see what he's able to do for the rest of his career. For sure. Yeah, he's definitely a spark plug. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we got to mention my guy, too, uh, big Tommy Welch. Uh, yeah. uh, my oh, boy. He, he plays how I wish – I he plays the role that I wish I would have had on any basketball team. Uh, which I, he, he basically is that guy. Like he, one of the guys called him, uh, one of the announcers said like Tom Welsh, the man who never misses. <laughs> like yeah. That's great. Yep. So perfect shooting like 88% from the field uh, just does all the little things. And I was literally talking to my brother uh, before hopping on this podcast and somebody said was like, yeah, Tom Welsh, he, he never tries to do too much. Mm-hmm. He never yeah. tries to do too much. He only makes smart plays. Yeah. Whether it's like, Oh, I have a layup. I'm going to take the layup. I'm going to take the dunk off the pick and roll or, Oh, I see they're double teaming me. I'm going to kick it out to the first open guy and they're going to get a shot or, or the next guy's going to get a shot. You know, he, his, him and Braden together, I think have a really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the guys around them really pick up on that. I think, I think it's infectious that sort of, I don't care who gets the bucket. I don't care who gets the stat. Like we're going to get, we're going to make the right play at the right time uh, to win the game. And I think that's going to carry him as well. Definitely. Yeah. You need multiple players having big personality and just a leader personality on the court mm-hmm. in order to be successful is what we've definitely run into this year. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. But yeah, I think you're right. We're definitely figuring out the rotation and that aspect of everything too, which is tough at the start of any year. You know, you kind of have to figure that out as the year goes on, but. Right. I mean, uh, especially with so many new guys, like it's mm-hmm. just, it's oh, tough. a lot of, lot of growth, yeah. a lot of change this year, but they're, I think yeah. they're getting there. No Lucas, no Ugwak. Like all those guys are gone. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely filling gaps. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yeah. Any other thoughts from anybody on either of the games? Or are we just looking forward to Albany and Stanford? Yes, they went. Has anyone done any scouting on Albany and Stanford? Yeah, I just thoughts? know that Stanford's like a team to watch. I know nothing. Yeah. Um, well, I, really, I know Albany, I think they're three and eight right now, but fun mm-hmm. fact, I uh, I like uh Cam Reddish. Um, so he played, uh, played at Duke with, uh, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett. He's in the NBA right now. I think for the Knicks, uh, yeah, his younger brother's on the team. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool, yeah, little fun fact. fact. So nice. Yeah. 
the only thing I know about Stanford is they're, they're on like a three game losing streak and they've lost four of their last five. So I think they're going or three of their last four, or yeah, four of their last five, I think um, at least from my, when I last checked. Um, but I think they're going to come in hungry for a win. And I think we're going to have the match there at that intensity because um, Stanford can be a high quality program, obviously. So mm -hmm. right. uh, both, we got to be ready for both of those teams, I think, but I think we will be. Yeah, for sure. We're ready for a neutral site. We've proven we do okay on a neutral site. <laughs> Put them back in Atlanta, please. Just keep them there. It's like University right. of Atlanta. Just keep them there. Right. We'll see how Pacific time zone works for them. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Great. Okay. Anything else from you? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah. Oh, of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank yeah, you so we much. We totally appreciate this. It's been fun. Hopefully we get to do it again sometime. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. Whenever you want to hop on, just let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Cal and CT for coming on, um, spending some time talking basketball with us. Uh, our first guests. It was really exciting to have them. Very exciting. Um, this is probably our last podcast for the calendar year. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy your holidays and um, safe travels. And um, if you're not already, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Bathtub Blurs. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we are still taking stories about Hamilton slash Bar 63. Uh, we have an exciting podcast episode coming. So uh, email us your stories at bathtubblurs at gmail.com or you can DM us a story or a voice note that we can feature on that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to hear, hearing everyone's stories. Um, okay. With that, um, as Hannah said, happy holidays and looking forward to the Albany game and Stanford and we'll see what's to come. Yeah. Um, okay. God bless and go blurs. Mm -hmm.